0: Welcome to the One Link podcast. I'm Amy and I'm here with Brad.
1: Hi, Amy. Good to be with you in the One Link studios again.
0: <laughs> well, Brad, last time we began talking about some of the practicalities of serving overseas longer term, we had an interesting discussion about some of the different pathways one could take to go overseas.
1: Yes. And as we often find in these podcasts, there isn't one black and white answer, but rather some things to balance and hold in tension and seek the Lord on.
0: Yes. A lot of the Christian life looks like that, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right, Amy.
0: (laughs) Well, where would you like to take our conversations today?
1: Well, going back to our meeting we had in January that we referenced in our last podcast.
0: Yes, this was the meeting where upperclassmen and recent graduates could hear about opportunities to serve overseas longer term.
1: That's right. And there were a lot of discussions about how people could use their degree or other skills on the missions field. And a number of students were trying to find the right fit overseas that would match their degree or professional interests. Uh, However, in other cases, I've heard people say, you know, I'm going to surrender these things in order to serve the Lord. I'm going to surrender my career ambitions or my entitlement to use these professional skills, sort of put those things on the altar as a sacrifice, if you will. So I think it would be helpful to talk about this tension when we think about serving overseas longer term.
0: Yes, this is an important topic for people considering overseas service to grapple with. And it isn't just relevant, though, for people serving overseas long-term. As you know, our organization provides some opportunities for students to serve short-term that relate to students' work degrees, professional internships, things like that, and some opportunities that aren't related to specific degree work but involve generally building relationships and sharing the good news. So students thinking about serving short-term may also need to deal with this tension and wonder if they should do something specific to their degree or surrender this to go on a team with other students at their university.
1: That's right, Amy. Good point. And I think the issues involved are fundamentally the same between short-term and long-term.
0: So Brad, should these students surrender their desire to do something related to their major or should they pursue something that is a good fit for them professionally and personally?
1: Great question. And my answer is yes.
0: <laughs> of course. It's always a bit more complicated than a simple answer.
1: It really is. I think there are a couple of ways we can get off in the ditch, so to speak, When either way when we consider this. Uh, on the one hand, we can go into pursuing overseas work with a kind of entitlement. That is to say, my talents and interests must be utilized if I'm going to serve. So if it doesn't check all these boxes, then I'm not interested. I'm not going to do it. Now, no one would say it quite that way, but in our hearts, we can begin to develop this kind of attitude. On the other hand, we could completely ignore how God has wired us or develop some kind of martyr complex where, you know, if if there's anything we enjoy or that we're good at, that we have to stay away from that or sort of put that on the altar. And I think that's getting out of bounds on the other side.
0: That's a good point. And we have to have open hands when we go to serve wherever we go to serve. But God also has given us unique gifts and experiences for a reason, and we need to pay attention to this. So is this just a matter of finding balance between these two extremes then, Brad?
1: I think in many ways it is. However, we have to start with the right attitude. Someone wanting to serve, minister, work, however we want to say it, overseas, has to begin by saying, God, I'm open to whatever you want me to do. I want to see you get the glory. I want to see people's lives transformed. I will mop the floor. I will do whatever you want me to do, if that's what it takes to reach these people and glorify your name. I I think that's a good place to begin.
0: Yeah, it is. Ultimately, it is about the glory of God and changed lives. So we have to be careful not to make it about ourselves. Agreed. Okay, so once we have begun with this posture of being open-handed and God-centered, what next? I mean, certainly thinking about options and possibilities that are a good fit is a valid way to proceed, isn't it?
1: I'd articulate it this way. When we're living open-handed like that, God will often use the talents, interests, and skills that he's blessed us with. But I think we have to be patient and allow those opportunities to develop in God's perfect time. Specifically, we have to be careful we don't find a good fit in the short term at the expense of limiting our impact in the long term.
0: Okay, unpack that a bit for us.
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is what we talked about last time with language learning. I've seen a lot of people were so eager to jump into something that was a good fit vocationally that they didn't dedicate enough time initially to language learning and cultural acquisition to prepare for the future. So they came charging out of the gate doing something they were excited about, but got down the road and realized they didn't have the tools to thrive and make an impact the way that they had hoped. So I think you have to be willing to invest in some of these tools first even if it means delaying using your vocational skills for a while. Similarly, we have to make sure that uh, this vocational interest will actually help us reach the people in that area. For instance, when I was living overseas, we had someone who was very passionate about martial arts, who wanted to join our team and start up a business teaching the local people martial arts. But as it turned out, there was virtually no interest in this kind of training in that area, and it didn't prove a good way to accomplish his goal of ministering to that people group. So we can't force a square peg into a round hole just because we're passionate about square pegs.
0: (laughs) Yes, that does make sense. And that brings up the question of what someone should do if they feel called to a specific people group or region where there is no opportunity to use their specific skill set.
1: Right, and that isn't an uncommon situation, particularly in more remote areas. I'll give you another example. When my family was serving overseas, there was a really wonderful doctor developed a heart for the people group among which we were working and this individual started to consider joining the work there after a short-term trip but for a number of reasons there were no opportunities to serve in a medical role in this area at that time
0: so what did he do
1: well he felt like god was calling him to this people group and he said like we said earlier i'll do whatever it takes to help reach them even if it means i don't do any medical work and so he came and enrolled as a language student initially
0: I see. And so, how did that work out? Did he find the work fulfilling, even though he wasn't using his degree?
1: Yes, I think he really did. And as it turned out, several years later, there was a medical option that opened up, and he was able to use his skill set at that time. And of course, he was using his skills informally all the time as he gave advice to local friends and other teammates. I mean, I can remember visiting him a few times with some health issues.
0: So, he started with a willingness to surrender. But in the end, God used the skills and talents that he had put in this man.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good summary.
0: Okay, so let me uh, share another scenario related to this. I imagine there are some people who want to help reach a people group, but don't necessarily have a specific vocation or role that they want to pursue. However, once they arrive in their location, they realize they will need to work for a business or some other entity in order to obtain a visa or have a legitimate reason to be there.
1: Yes, also a very common s- scenario. Uh, As we said last time, in much of the world now, you can't come in on a missionary visa or just hang out long-term without some kind of good reason to be there. But maybe you have a history degree, just to name a random one. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So you either have to adapt or go somewhere else. Uh, This was my experience overseas. Suddenly, I had to help run a business in order to have a legitimate reason to be there. But I had never studied business. Uh, I didn't have any business experience. (laughs) I really wanted to continue to try to reach that people group with the gospel, so I had to adapt. Now, I was still able to use some of my skills and interests, um, but which weren't vocational, but you know there was a a learning curve for me. So that's kind of a third possibility, adapting to the needs of the work.
0: So let me ask you the same question then that I asked about your doctor friend. How did adapting to become a business person work for you?
1: I think initially it worked fairly well. I had some people working with me who uh, who did have experience with international business. And so we kind of did divide and conquer. I was able to focus on a specific part of the business that was a good fit for me, namely using my language and cultural skills. I developed during my time there to connect with local people that uh, we were involving in the business. Later, however, I, I think I got in a bit over my head and I tried to start a new business And I soon realized that I was no businessman. So there are some limitations to how much we can adapt.
0: So if I can summarize again, and this will be a bit of a false dichotomy, but just for the sake of discussion. We've explored three ways we can look at using degrees and vocational skills overseas. We can surrender these desires and say, I'll go wherever and do whatever is needed. We can be selective and say, I want to make sure that what I do is a good fit and utilizes the skills God's given me. Or we can be adaptive and say, I'll learn whatever new skills I need to work among this people group.
1: Yes, that, that's a good summary. And I think people need to be doing some part of each of these as they explore going overseas, hence the false dichotomy you just referenced. So, as you said there, these aren't mutually exclusive to one another.
0: Maybe we can look at some biblical examples related to this discussion.
1: Good idea. Well, when I think of biblical examples of surrendering vocational skills, at least for a time, the disciples come to mind, you know, the 12 disciples, you certainly see them putting aside some of their vocational work, being fishermen, being a tax collector, etc., to spend some concentrated time with Jesus and travel around Israel. Now, some of them, I'm imagining particularly the fishermen probably still use their skills as they went around, but I think there was a certain amount of setting aside their jobs to to be dedicated to the work.
0: Yeah, I can see that. We also have Paul using his tent-making skills in Corinth and elsewhere.
1: That's right, and I think we can view this in several ways. Often Paul relied on the financial support of churches to supply his needs, but at times he would also work to support his needs so he wouldn't be a burden to the local church like we read about in his two letters to the Thessalonians. So we could look at this as an adaptation to the needs of the situation. That's kind of one way. But I'm confident that Paul used that time building tents strategically to be a witness to those among whom he was working. So I think it's safe to say that this was also a part of his ministry, not just a step away from it.
0: Right. And Paul also wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 3.23, quote, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So if we're doing it for the Lord, there are ways we can honor him and impact others' lives.
1: Yeah, great point. Well, I wish we had time to more exhaustively search the scriptures on this topic, but I think. Looking at the clock, I'm not sure that we're going to have enough time to to get too far down that road.
0: But hopefully we have given our listeners a desire to explore the scriptures a bit themselves.
1: Yes, I hope so.
0: So Brad, in the end, is it enough to just say, keep all these things in balance, or is there more insight to share on the tension between these three views?
1: Well, as I said earlier, this begins by bringing all of these things under the lordship of Christ. We start, as we always do, with surrender and a willingness to do whatever God wants us to do. From there, as we look at specific options for serving overseas, I think it's good to think about how God has wired us and what skills we can utilize for the work. We also need to factor in how we will dedicate the necessary time to develop cross-cultural ministry skills, like learning the language, and so on and so forth. So we have to play the long game a bit. And then as we go, we maintain a willingness to learn and adapt as needed. We avoid any entitlement mentality And we trust that God has given us certain skills and experiences for a reason, and he'll use them in his perfect timing.
0: Well, amen, Brad. That's a great summary. Once again, it's been a pleasure to explore this topic with you, and I look forward to continuing our discussions next time.
1: We'll see you next time.